right, everybody. Welcome to Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. I'm your women's novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. This is our second Bridgerton recap. We are mm-hmm. recapping episode three, The Art of the Swoon, and we are recapping episode four, An Affair of Honor. Not really recaps. I think we're just coming at you with our thoughts. We're just talking about <laughs> them. Yeah. And we have a big confession to make, guys. So you might have just listened to episode one. We were both drunk. Accidentally. Pretty much. <laughs> we, I, we, I got some Irish cream, Four Farms Irish cream from Cork uh, for Christmas. And so I was like, Clayton, how about when we watch this first Bridgerton, we have a bit of a tipple. And Clayton was like, yeah, let's do it. I'm amiable. I'm like, sure. Yeah, let's have fun. So make a party. So we drank it. And then both of us felt weird. And then the next morning I looked and it was 17% alcohol. It was quite high. That's a lot. <laughs> And then when I asked you, I was like, can you tell that we were a little bit tipsy? You were like, yeah, yeah, we could tell. Well, I did put it in the show notes for the first episode. Okay, good. So you guys already know know that we were accidentally. So now we're sober as a judge. Well, speak for yourself. (laughs) It is 1030 in the morning. So I, you know, I did tie one on. (laughs) You got to get it started. You got to. Something's got to get that motor running. Exactly. So yeah. So let's start with episode three, The Art of the Swoon. Mm -hmm. What did we think? It starts with a dream sequence. And truly the most PG dream sequence I've ever seen. Yeah. It was pretty funny. And I was like, if this isn't Daphne, this is cuckoo bananas. Exactly. Yeah. And it ended up being Daphne because Daphne doesn't know anything about sex. So mm-hmm. she had a a very undefined sex dream. <laughs> but it did make me think of like when I was little and I saw Captain Von Trapp for the first time. And I was like, I don't understand what sex is because I'm like six. But I do know I want to stand next to him. Yes. And that was all I could really understand. But what age were you when you had that dream? <laughs> I didn't have a dream, but I was just like... Thinking about it? I was just thinking about like, I want to stand next to him. And that was all I could really get to. But Daphne as... is like 20. <laughs> Daphne's 20. And she's like, I want to dance with Simon and have him maybe take my glove off. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, it is sad. And I think that is part of the books, though, is like how ignorant she is of sex. So mm-hmm. it would have been bizarre if like, I guess whatever her idea of sex is. Yes, if she, if it was like an expert level... Uh, or banging. yeah, banging situation, then it would seem a little bit weird. Although this this series is pretty chaste. Yeah, I think for as much as they were trying to sell it as being like a super like Jane Austen with sex, which like I don't love as a tagline. I think also because I don't love Austen. Yeah, I expected it to be sexier, and I guess in the pilot we do see Anthony like fucking against a tree. We see some butt. We see. I mean, there is some nudity. It's all very yeah. tasteful. Not that I'm advocating for tasteless nudity in this project, but it, it does seem kind of chaste. It's not, I'm not asking for it to be like 365 days level, No, but I mean, maybe something in between. I don't know. Maybe something in between. Yeah. We need some more Mossy Bill. Also, we haven't got to the point of like uh, Simon and Daphne being married and having tons of sex. So we could be eating our words next episode. Yeah. That could be interesting if it's, if it's just a whole episode of straight nudity, Caligula <laughs> level. <laughs> I think also, um, well, I think that's the thing that we talk about all the time about like the romance novels being smutty is like it only really works and it's only really titillating if it's earned. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like having like the sex or the nudity so early in the series, like it doesn't feel titillating. It doesn't feel earned. It's just sort of like. Listen, we we grew up in a post HBO world. Like I've seen nipples on TV before. Yeah, so. I guess that is true. You're right. We we should be waiting to see because if they do really go for it with them, then we know. Okay, 
this is what they had in mind. They're really going for the way the rom- romance actually works, which mm-hmm. is you don't have a lot of that stuff until the people get together. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be very interesting. Yeah. I mean, episode three, the the highlights were sort of uh, Simon tells Daphne to masturbate, which was not in the books, but mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. It was and the good. look on her face is of, of a look of horror. <laughs> she doesn't understand. Her eyes are darting back and forth. Mm-hmm. Her, they're watering, and she just looks so scared. Yeah. Uh, and then a prince shows up. A prince shows up. I mean, so we're not. So we're. So we have to. This is what I because I was thinking about this, and and you had said this rule, and I didn't really realize this until you mentioned it that they didn't really have royalty in these books. No kings, no queens, no princes, really. And I was agitated about how they brought in a prince because I thought, well, this isn't really romance, but it is an adaptation. We've got to talk about it the way it is and not what it, we want it to be in a way. Right. Cause that's the annoying way to kind of review things is be like, this is what it could be instead of what it actually is. Yeah. So I'm having a hard time. I really am dismissing this prince character as kind of, why does it have to be a prince? But now I need to think of it as, okay, well, there is a prince and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Only worry about the things you can control and you cannot control the use of royalty in this show. So just, is this a cool character? Is this a cool situation or not? And it's not a cool situation and it's <laughs> not a cool character. Where I'm like, I'm like, listen, adaptations, every adaptation is an interpretation. I get it. I think that's fantastic. Add characters, combine characters. I'm cool with all of that. Yeah. But I do think it's weird to just add a character just to be like, is this stakes? Mm-hmm. So we're going to add a prince. And it's kind of like, no, it's not stakes. And if anything, it sort of takes away from the main conflict, which is like Daphne and Simon. Because now if Daphne could possibly marry a prince... And that is the stated goal. Then her being her marrying Simon, it just it, it seems like it seems like a downgrade when she ends up with Simon. Uh-huh. If if we are looking at the you know the levels, because she does say you know not to jump into the fourth episode, but she does have a conversation with Simon and an argument with him where she says, "I could be a princess." Okay, so now that's a thing where now you are not going to be a princess because you're going to be with this duke. So it's it adds, like you said, it adds this layer, and we also we know she's not going to end up with this prince. The prince is a lame duck. This guy's a loser. Mm-hmm. He's not interesting. So why why not make him at least a little bit interesting so That's that you have too. some tension? If you're going to add a prince, listen, we don't agree with it, but it's 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 not our show. So if yeah. you do add a prince, like make him impossibly charming. Yes. Make it so okay, you want a love triangle? Make a love triangle. Yes. But it's so bizarre to introduce this prince and have him be like really bland and boring. Daphne really has to work at it. I guess he wants children, so she's excited about that. But mm-hmm. it's like I'm not ever worried that Daphne is going to catch feelings for the prince. Yeah. The way that he has for Simon. And like, obviously, we read romance. We know what's going to happen at the end. Knowing what's going to happen at the end doesn't ruin it for me. No. But it's like, you need to make it compelling. So for a little bit, I'm like, oh, no, man. Oh, it might not happen. Oh, no, wait, it does happen. So it's so bizarre to introduce like a bland prince where it's like, uh, this doesn't add stakes. And this is just sort of odd. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like... Three was uh, just 
I'm just going to say it. Not a great episode. It yes. Fine. It was pretty boring. It was a bit of a slog. Yeah. Here's something else that I was thinking about last night as well. It's like, and we I was. Were, we were up in, we were, we, we were, were laying up, awake in bed, both thinking about this show. Yeah. We couldn't help ourselves. Yeah. And I think that the thing is, with Julia Quinn, her stories, as we've said, are not plot heavy. No. It is internal conflict. It is interpersonal relationships. That's why we go to Quinn. And she is a master of it. She's also a master of witty dialogue. And I feel like a big miss was they did not lift enough dialogue. Because when you have the queen of witty dialogue as your source material, and like, listen, you can't just take out all the dialogue, put it in a TV show, and call it a day. No, I get it. But it's like, you, the dialogue, it doesn't have the spark that we need. That is what is Quinn. And so... And this is no shade to the writers of the TV show or anything because, you know, there were definitely funny turns of phrases and things that we liked. But it's just, um, I don't know. I feel like even when you adapt Shakespeare, you lift some lines from Shakespeare because you're like, these are too good. And it's so it's I think that's the thing that felt short for me with this episode. It's It felt also like the least connected to the books now. Episode four. Stuff happens. Oh, episode four, we've cha- we've turned a corner. Yeah. Episode four is the most true to the books. And I would say the best episode so far. Yes. Loved it. It was entertaining start to finish. The new characters he introduced, Simon's friend, who's the boxer and his wife, love them. Talk about adding something. Yeah. They both add something. And I love that for Simon. Um, And you're, and they've lifted scenes from the books, but they've been like, that's why you get excited to watch an adaptation because you're like, I can't wait to see that scene. I can't wait to see the duel scene. I can't wait to see them in the garden and all this stuff. And it delivers. And I really loved episode four. I thought it was really fantastically done. I thought it was um, like the dialogue was great. We still had the prince, but it was fine. Having Daphne go to the boxing, uh, go to the boxing exhibition, see Simon roll up his sleeves. I mean, that was... Yeah. Yes. I mean, I this episode, I think, was really great. So we've moved on from episode three. Let's talk episode four. Yeah, episode four. So we we get a lot of cool, tropey stuff. Mm-hmm. So we get Simon and Daphne alone in the garden until they get caught by Anthony. I'm so happy that they just kept that it was Anthony. It's perfect. When he comes around that corner, I'm like... Fuck yes, this is what I want. This is so good. They're making out hardcore. Anthony sees it, grabs Simon, punches him in the face, says, Look, we're going, we're gonna duel. Yeah. And I was very excited about that. We have Cressida. So Cressida is a character that was in the Bridgerton books, and she's kind of been on the periphery. She swooned in front of the prince to try and get him, and that was a thing that uh happened earlier, but now she seems like she might be a presence. They're actually Daphne's using her name to say that she saw Simon in her. Well, she might have, because that line she says could go either way for me. Okay, I feel like she's making that up. I feel like Cressida actually didn't see it, but her saying Cressida did see it to Simon was trying to induce Simon to marry her. Mm -hmm. And then when he refuses again, it's a heartbreaker. But she just says, we're getting married. Because he says to her in this, which is interesting, because now we're gonna figure out if this is gonna what this plot line is gonna be. He says, "I can't marry you because I can't have kids with you." 
I can't give you I children. I can't give you children. So he says, I can't give you children. He doesn't say, I don't want to. He says, I can't give you children, which was the misunderstanding in the book. Not actually a misunderstanding, more of a misdirection by Simon. Mm-hmm. So it seems like that deceit is going to be part of this, which is going to be super interesting. Which I think they have been setting up all along with mm-hmm. him wanting to end the bloodline, him not wanting to get married and everything. But I thought that that was like pitch perfectly done. Yeah. I really loved it. It was so much fun to watch and so dramatic. Um, and they're about to duel and she... Goes comes, between them. Goes between them, which was a cool... That That's action, awesome. Yeah. It's action. We think, did she get shot? There's some drama there. Uh, also... Uh, what is her name? Um, one of the Feathertons, uh, Portia Philippa. Philippa gets to uh, gets courted by this sneezy guy, which I thought, oh, that's <laughs> so cute that this is happening. But then we find out that Mister Featherington owes a lot of people a lot of money and has no money for his kids to get married. Yeah, which I love too because in the books, Lord Featherington is dead. Yeah, we brought him back from the dead for the series, and I do think the series is richer for it, and mm-hmm. I really like it, and I like adding this to the Featheringtons that they're basically like poor, and it ups the stakes of like now all the daughters really need to get married, and they need to get married to very wealthy people. Yeah, I thought that that was really brilliant too. And I loved, much. I love that he, Mrs. Featherington, is in his office looking at all the money he owes, and she confronts him. And he's standing there and she says, all the money and all this stuff. And she's yelling at him. And he doesn't lash out aggressively. He just starts crying oh, and I says, I scene. let you down. I let everyone down. I was like, that was so refreshing because yeah. usually it'd be this guy is going to try to stand up for himself. He's going to say, shut up, woman, whatever. Mm-hmm. But he really is just like, I let everybody down. I'm screwed. I don't know what to do. And it was a refreshing little switch. I, yeah, I thought that that scene was also so brilliantly played by whoever plays um, Portia Featherington. She, you can tell that she's like this asshole the whole time. That's her inner monologue. And she's just like, I can't believe now I have to deal with this. And you see also why she is the way she is. Like she's going about it in like a psychotic way, mm-hmm. but like she is really up against the ropes and she knows it. Um, so yeah, that it, like, I really loved that scene. I think. Yeah, I mean, episode four, I think, is was the, is is the episode and is the feeling that I have been waiting for yes. for these four episodes. And I feel like I finally was able to exhale because this is so much fun now. Yeah. Two other things to mention. Oh, okay. I know what you're going to say. Well, well, Benedict. Oh, who love goes, the Benedict. Who goes to a drink and draw with uh, <laughs> one of his, one of this this guy he met at uh, an art opening, right? Mm-hmm. And. I think the theory that Benedict is going to uh, be interested in men is it's it's bearing some fruit because there's a little bit of a flirtation between him and the gentleman who invited him to the drink and draw. And I think there's something going to happen in that way. And I'm excited about it. Me too. I mean, I think that's another update that is really interesting because like obviously the idea that there would be eight children and they would all be straight as arrows is not is weird. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I love that we're learning more about Benedict. And I feel like, you know, and it's hard. You have eight siblings to introduce. And like, they're basically like not talking about Gregory, which is like fine. Yeah, Gregory has disappeared. (laughs) It's cool. Hyacinth isn't around either. Hyacinth shows up in the drawing room. Like she gets some good lines and she's not going to get a a storyline or anything, but she just like hangs, which is cool. 
Um, but adding this sort of Benedict with the drawing and sort of every, and uh, having that happen now, I think is really great. And also just sort of like seeing Benedict grapple with like being the second son and what that means is really, really interesting too. So I love that storyline for him. The other storyline that happens that is like truly heartbreaking and I maybe did tear up a little bit is Colin and Marina Thompson dancing because basically they've decided to let Marina out into society. She has to find a husband fast. Portia is like, marry this old fuck. Like who cares? Oh, that gross dude. He's weird. He's really gross. Uh, Marina is understandably like, I don't want to. And Colin, who has always had the hospital Marina is like, let's, um, dance with her and like in Marina's like he's gonna offer for me and this is great this actually works out really well for me and she's saying on all to Penelope who's we, her, who they're close friends and yeah I mean we because Penelope yeah because they're living together they're, they're like cousins and you could just like um I feel like Nicola does a, a Coughlin does such a good job at Penelope and playing the hurt but playing it in a way of like, I never really thought it would be true. Like you, you feel that she sort of is resigned to the fact she's never going to be with Colin, but the renewed pain of having to be so intimate and close to the person who will end up with him, you can feel it that that is what really is ripping her apart. Because Marina was like, we'll be like sisters. Because Marina would, thinks it's so great. Yeah, because yeah. you and Eloise are like sisters and now mm-hmm. I'll be with Colin and it'll be all three of us. And yeah. she's... I got to lay down. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to bed with the lights on. Yeah. I was like, Penn, like try to be a little bit more slick, but she can't. She's overcome. Oh, with she's overcome. It's too much. That We've all been so there. Sweet. We've all oh, been yeah. there, right? Just trying to feign sleep because someone is going to marry the person we're in love with. Yes. It happens so that she can have the baby of the guy who's in Spain and doesn't want her, but really does want her. If I had a nickel. Well, that's <laughs> the other thing. So we find out. Oh, that was in episode three too. But Mrs. Featherington is... Well, she has her one of her servants do it. She has it. her lady's maids forge a letter from Marina's like boyfriend saying he doesn't want anything to do with her. Yeah. So he's, I mean, we've all read a romance. Uh, the boyfriend's showing up. He's showing up. <laughs> I don't think that's a spoiler. I think that's we've participated in a narrative before. Exactly. Um. So that was fantastic, the Penelope thing. And then having Eloise trying really hard to find out who Lady Whistledown is. I love that that's, that's a thing, too. That's That was very interesting. I mean, that's from the book. And Eloise, we'll see. We'll see if she's going to figure it out. I wonder if they expose it. They can't expose it at the end of this season, right? No. Uh, no. I mean, unless... I mean, there is that thing of, like, you put everything in the first season because you're like, I don't know if we're getting another season. Yeah. I feel like they're getting another season. I would think. I have no intel, but it just, I would be shocked if they didn't. Um, But yeah, I mean, Eloise still remains one of the strongest characters. She is so well played by Claudia Jesse. She's fantastic. She plays her in such a forceful, like bullish way, which I love, where she's like, you you feel her always feeling really constrained and contained in a way that she really hates. Um, and I, yeah, and I love the storyline for her of Lady Whistledown because it is so important for her to find out because she just needs to know who is this person who is able to live a life differently than she has. She's assuming that it's somebody that has independence, that mm-hmm. does not have to go through all the rigmarole of dressing up and painting their face and then going out and trying to beg for a husband. That's I mean, that's her dream is yeah. to not have to do that. And I know that you said the actor who plays Colin looks like a Jonas brother. I think he's adorable. I know. I said he looks like the Jonas brother that they hide. Why? Because he's too cute or not? <laughs> no, because he's not cute enough. Oh, no. I, none of the Jonas. Just not my 
cup of tea. I, I don't want to sit here. Listen, it's really rude for me to judge people's looks. I yeah. apologize for that. But but I did. I disagree. I think he's super cute and handsome. I think they're... Um... I think he just looks too modern for me. I think that's the thing. He looks too modern. Okay. He looks too modern. He looks too soft. And I know that uh, these are like people who are live in the lap of luxury and all they do is eat confectionery sugar. Of it. Of sweets, yeah. So much sugar. <laughs> it's insane that uh, he's just a little soft for, for my taste in men. Okay. That's right. just my We're all thing. allowed to have our own taste in men. But I think Colin, he's sparking like Colin in the books too. Like I think his characterization, he doesn't get many scenes, but I think when he does, you really see He needs Colin. to eat more. He needs to eat more. <laughs> oh yeah, he needs to be constantly he eating. He needs to constantly be eating. He needs yeah. to be like Brad Pitt. In every movie. In every movie. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to touch upon is, so like we talked last time we chatted about how Basically, this story takes place outside of history uh-huh. because of, obviously, the the diversity in casting and everything and how I do think it's wonderful, still think it's wonderful. I think it's really fun. And I think it's a it's showing sort of the fantasy. So then episode four, when we have Lady Danbury explain why there are so many minorities now in the peerage, I was like... Why do we have to do that? Yeah. She basically is like, it was Queen Charlotte. Queen Charlotte, who was um, like of mixed race in real life. Um, Because of her, she elevated people to the peerage. And therefore, this is like a tenuous thing. I didn't like it. It didn't track for me. And I'm also like, I don't feel like this is something that necessarily needs explanation. And it didn't feel tenuous, at least in the the episodes we watched, it didn't feel like there was much friction between anybody other than interpersonal friction, as in their romantic lives yeah. and who's going to marry who and who's, whose parent is who. But it didn't break along any sort of racial lines that I could notice. Right. So that is an interesting turn. I don't know if that's going to bear any sort of story fruit. Because, right, it was basically Simon saying, like, love doesn't matter because if the the king falls out of love, then then we'll go back to the way it was, which is just... And, yeah, I just felt like it was unnecessary. And it's like, this is the way the world is. This is the world you've presented to us for basically three and a half hours now. And I'm in this world, and it's great. So it's so bizarre to then be like, oh, it was because of... Because then I'm also like, well, how long has Queen Charlotte been queen? Mm -hmm. And we know this is called the Regency because of how sickly the king was. So now I'm worried. I don't want to be worried. I want to be worried about, will Simon die in the duel? I want to be worried about, will Colin marry Marina? I don't want to be worried about if all of a sudden all these people are going to have to lose their lands and all of a sudden there's going to be massive injustice and... Yeah. And racial disparity. That doesn't seem fun. <laughs> that's not what I'm here for. And and that's my thing with the show in general. Is like up until episode four, this show has not been fun. Yeah. And and, and that's what's been missing. It it just hasn't been fun. There's there's not a and not everything has to be light and frothy and not everything has to be fun, but I think it's not a hardcore drama. It's not a hardcore historical. So there needs to be more fun. And I think the fourth episode had those glimmers of fun, that tropiness that I think we're looking for. And I hope that going forward, that's 
the tone and it doesn't become something that is too ser- more serious than it needs to be mm-hmm. or more serious than it can handle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, we're at a tipping point right now with mm-hmm. this. I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm looking forward. I think coming off of episode four, that was so much fun to watch. That was so exciting. Had so many great moments. I'm I'm hopeful that you know it took them a second to get their sea legs, which is normal. I mean, it's only and it was only four episodes. I mean, that's yeah. the thing is like four episodes is such a small amount of episodes for a show to find its footing, and it looks like it's finding its footing a little bit. So we'll see. Yeah, but I'm excited. I'm looking forward to watching two more episodes. Well, watching four more episodes. That's how many are left. Um, but we'll come back and chat to you after we've watched the next two episodes. Now, did you... He, the pop song for the third episode was Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. Played yeah. uh, with a orchestra. We said in the first episode of these recaps, not a fan of that. Still not a fan. I didn't figure out what the fourth one from the fourth episode was. You're Were you listening at, at all? You're better than I am. But I think the weird thing about that, too, and like not to harp on it, no pun intended, but it is like... Then have it all be pop songs. It's weird to just have one pop song and then sometimes it's just a regular string quartet because then when it's a regular string quartet, when you're it's listening for the music, pop song, I'm listening for the pop song and I'm not paying attention. And it's also, too distracting and not distracting enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't also bring up Dickinson, which is, I think, another series that does a modernization of historical text. And the Bridgerton's is not historical text. Yeah. I'm not, you know, whatever. It's a historical story. But Dickinson, that uses modern slang and modern music in a way that I think does do it well. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're not saying that like across the board we don't like it. They, I, I remembered because they also have an episode where they use bad guy. Yeah. And for the devil. She's getting paid. He's the Billy, Billy Eilish is getting paid. Listen, Billy Eilish. Let's keep you booked and busy. I love to see a woman making money. So listen, maybe anyone, if anyone out there is doing a TV show, bad guy, think about it. Yeah. <laughs> it works for the bad guy. Yeah. It works when you see a person you don't like. Yeah. It's a good signaling. Anyway, we give away this information for free. All right, guys. That was us. Yeah. Do you have any last moments to think of? No, we'll be back for episodes five and six. There we go. I'm the numbers guy here. You are the number. You're the numbers and the music guy. I'm colors and emotions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should that be our new opening? I think so. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. So let us know your thoughts. You can email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at learningthetropes. Uh, we are on Instagram at learningthetropes. Um, we have our Facebook group, the Face, uh, the Learning the Tropes Troop. Come join us there. We will certainly be talking about Bridgerton. And then, um, yeah, so we will be back with episodes five and six. Um, All right, everybody. See you later. Bye. Bye.